Tales of the Fantastic Podcast with J.N. Cameron and Matthew Moe. A discussion of inspirations, practices, and the fiction that we love. Too bad she won't live! I'm your better. But then again, who does? A podcast by writers for writers. Brought to you by Tuesday Night Publishing. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Matthew Moan. And I'm Joe Cameron. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> Uh, we're going to move right into the first section mm-hmm. of this uh, this inaugural exciting uh, podcast. That's right, our inspiration. Tales of the Fantastic Podcast. Joe and I have loved this stuff since we were kids. We met when we were like 10 years old, 12 years old, and uh, so we're just going to jump right in. That's right. Top um, five short stories, right? Absolutely. And what we're doing? All right, you want to go first? Uh, sure, I can start okay. with, with my first one. And I'm kind of thinking of this as a uh, kind of... The roots kind of short stories, like yes. the ones that got me interested, make, made me want to write, made me love stories, exactly, and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, okay, I'm with you. The first one for me was uh, one my mom introduced me to. She was my English teacher f- for about three years in between elementary school and, and high school. When we were homeschooled, uh-huh. we were, and she was my. English teacher, Latin teacher. We did kind of like a school. It was like a co-op kind of a homeschooling thing. co-op. Yeah. And um, so she introduced me to The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe. Good story. Yeah, I want to say I was 12 years old. Creepy story. Yeah. And um, the whole thing that's what's cool about it is it's kind of informed my love of gothic writing and literature. horror. Yeah. All that stuff. I think the reason why I like H.P. Lovecraft kind of clicked with me later on was because it reminded me of this story. Well, yeah, man. Poe was one of his influences, without a doubt. Yeah. Man, great story. So, okay. yeah, so there's number one, which I think, uh, I think will be on everybody's list, honestly. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, it's a good good story, without yeah. a doubt. One of the classics. All right, I think uh, for me it's going to be The Snow Women by Fritz Lieber. First appeared in Fantastic Stories in 1970, and it is a swords and sorcery story that I absolutely love. It introduces the character... I think you say his name, Fawford, F-A-F-H-R-D, Fawford, of Fawford and the Grey Mouser, mm-hmm. the Lankmar stories, the the two adventurers, the giant barbarian Fawford and the small thief, the Grey Mouser. But anyway, it introduces Fawford, and what I love about this story is it does everything great short stories do, it's why I like to write short stories, is it just builds a complete world. Right. The world building is incredible. Uh, to me, no other. Oh, bless you! Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no other uh, swords and sorcery story does it like this. I mean, he describes the geography, the weather, the economy of these people, their culture in minute ways, the way they dress, and it's just it, there's so many good things about this story. I could literally talk about this story forever. We could do a whole episode on this story. Which I think we probably will. Eventually we'll... Some of these... This is just kind of an over... I mean, this is by no means exhaustive, but this is just kind of an overview as a beginning of these are the things that kind of infor, you know, influenced us. So 
we're in no way saying this is the full list. We'll probably, in future podcasts, pick a single story and just drill all the way down into it. And the other thing, too, and I think you mentioned this before, yeah. is the fact that it kind of uses that uh, that old Hammer film thing where they people get together and they tell other stories. Exactly, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, the Snow Women does that, right? Within, yeah. with, it tells a story within a story, and I love it when yeah. writers do that. It, like Vlana, the dancer from the South, uh, tells Fawford, the main character of the story, you know, her origin story, and that's like a story within the story. I thought that was so cool yeah, I love when that. I read that, and uh, man, well, what later, a great story. Yeah, right. later on, when I, when I was grown up and I read uh, Lord Baltimore, um, that, and I think I even posted something about it on the Facebook page, uh-huh. That was the reason why. Oh yeah, I loved it. Was because of that kind of the cool steadfast tin soldier and the vampire. Yeah. Oh, oh man, so good. And the, what a like good, the yeah, it's the that stories within thing. the stories. The people coming together. They all three tell their right, stories, right. and then they go out and do the thing. Okay, together. so what's your number two? Number two would be uh, another one. Mom introduced me to. Excuse me, I just hit the mic. Is uh, the lottery by Shirley Jackson? Oh, another man. one good because one. it's in English classes. I feel like a lot of people know this story, but I, I, mom introduced it to me, and it was one of those things where the thing that was so cool is um, it does that thing where it subverts what you think is going to happen, right? So you, yeah. um, not okay. only is it amazingly well written, but it's one of those things where it completely the pulls isn't it the a twi- isn't it a Twilight Zone episode or is it or it's like one? It's I know like it's it's several, similar, yeah. like it's yeah, it's just that. And it was the first time that I yeah. read a story and I realized because I had never made that connection that the Twilight Zone TV show that I loved as a kid was based on actual real short stories um, like the Incident at Owl Creek and you know a lot of, loads of Ray Bradbury stories so I had never actually realized that that was the, that was the case I just thought they were just oh, full wow. stories on their own huh. so I read this story and I was like holy crap you know like completely it's a dark story well and it kind of let me realize that you could do anything you wanted to and you could mess around with the re- with the reader's expectation and yeah totally. So anyway, Shirley Jackson and her Haunting of Hill House is one of my favorite novels of all time. So wow, uh, this actually this stuff. got me started for sure. All, all right. right, next. I think uh, for me the my second favorite short story, the most influential, is probably The Phoenix and the Sword by Robert E. Howard. First appeared in Weird Tales in December 1932 issue, and that was great, man. That was the short story. That started the whole Conan saga. Do you remember how that short story starts? It's it's like the like how the movie starts. Like no, O Prince, that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis yeah. and the gleaming cities in the years and the rise of the sons of Arius. There was an age undreamed. That's right. There yeah. was an age undreamed of. That's the story, man. With uh, the evil sorcerer Thothamon, worshipper of Set, who and, th- and this is way before. Lord of the Rings. We had a we had a magical ring going on. Yeah, Thothamon had a magical ring, and he summoned the the abyssal orangutan horror or something like that to go to go kill to go kill someone. And King Conan stepped in. King Conan had a dream where he communed with some elder gods and or, or something like that. Yeah, it was like a spirit that he described as an elder being and gifted Conan with a magical sword That's which amazing. he slew the orangutan horror of <laughs> Thothamon. Yeah. That's uh, so cool. And I love that the that the that there there's feels like this overlap between the Cthulhu mythos and 
and yeah. Conan and the fact you know you know it people forget that they were contemporaries but um, that they wrote letters back and forth and that, that they influenced each other super cool super cool what's yeah. your third one the next one for me was one that I read a little bit later uh, I was probably 14 15 years old and I read uh, The Mist by Stephen King mm. um that was the one that made me realize that you could tell Lovecraftian weird stories in present day, um, and that different setting, that different that was a different yeah. setting, and that it could be just as awesome and as fantastic. Oh yeah! And so, and not only because of the story itself, but also uh, for the drama, there was an uh, an audio production that was done that was so good that was in the Kunskopf binaural three dimensional sound. Um, nice. So it had, it had that amazing kind of wrapped around thing. You put on the headphones and you felt like you were in the midst of, of what was happening. So that made the story come alive. But the first time I read it, I was just blown away by not only that he, I felt like he had figured out what would actually happen if this uh, happened. You know, so yeah. it felt like um, one of those things where they, they really said, what if? And then he went through and just listed off, this is how it would sure. work. Yeah, I think it had and it had that it has that that plot that works so well. I think in creepy stories and horror, that sort of night of the living dead thing going on, where the people are huddled up for survival. Yeah, I remember in, you know in the grocery store and they're fending off the unknown. Yeah, it's I just I love stuff like that mm-hmm. where people are just sort of holed up and trying to survive yeah, and figure out what's going on. And this is like the king of those stories. Mm-hmm. Well, really, I mean, there's the stuff. The stuff that I remember specifically is like the fact that okay, they realize that there's plate glass at the front of the building. Yeah, and so they start piling right. up bags of dog food. Yeah, remember? I remember. And the fact that he included that and and uh, even thought about it like as a kid I remember going oh yeah that's that, of so course cool. that's what they would do yeah. <laughs> so that was one for sure awesome alright next for me the third most influential short story is Johnny Mnemonic by William Gibson first appeared in Omni magazine in May of 1981 and I think I first yeah. read it in a book of short stories I think it was Burning Chrome, Chrome. yeah, yeah. But what talk about world building, yeah. man. But of course this is science fiction. And I'm sure you remember like Johnny like carried memory in his mind, uh, stored in his brain. And uh oh man, what what a good story. Yeah. Uh I think some of the things I remember most about it was that cybernetic dolphin um who had a drug had habit and his name was Jones. Do you remember Dolphin, that? Dolphin Jones. Dolphin, yeah, the Jones the Dolphin. I mean, he communicated <laughs> yeah. through those flashing grids of lights. Yeah. And he helped uh, Johnny and Molly out, a girl with uh, cybernetic blades that extended from under her fingernails, oh, saved so Johnny and joined up with them. And then Jones helped him. And then in the end, they uh, defeated the Yakuza assassin who had the detachable thumb with the laser wire. <laughs> Do you remember that? That was brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. I, yeah. I, me- I remember reading that and just... That was just the wildest science fiction story yeah. I had ever read. Absolutely. I didn't. I thought science fiction was just about rockets and going to Mars. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, that was crazy. That was the most influential, I think, cyberpunk type story. Well, I think of what's his name. I think I think it's in an, in, in an interview somewhere. Uh, William Gibson talks about he had just written uh, Neuromancer, and then he went to see Blade Runner in the theater, and he was angry. Because everything he would he had just written about he had seen on the screen and he was like oh, oh no like you no. know it's all been taken from me yeah 
That's funny. Yeah. Which, and I, one of my favorite, the opening line to Neuromancer is one of the greatest opening lines ever. What and is it's it? The one, the sky above the port was the color of television tuned to a dead That's channel. Such a good opening line. Give me a break. Yeah, we'll have to spend like a whole thing sometime talking about opening lines. That's a great opening line. Oh, it's so, yes. Yeah, so All great. right. But so, I, yeah, I completely yeah, agree with that. Line. All right, so what's your fourth short story? The fourth short story is probably, it's another Stephen King story. Uh, it was in the Night Shift collection, which was a late 70s collection. And it was, oh man, it's so good. But it's the story of the man who loved flowers. Oh wow, creepy story. That that is that was a shocker story. I remember I think you showed me that story for the first time. <laughs> yeah, well I I read it and I was blown away because it's one of those things in the last like four sentences of the story everything changes. And you think it's one of those it's one of those subversive kind of things where you think it's one thing all the way through and then suddenly everything shifts. And uh, it leaves you going, what happened? I think it's a nice, sweet story yeah. about a man taking someone flowers and then he bashes them in the head with a hammer. That's the final line. That's I think it's in bang, 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 down with the hammer, something like that. And yeah. I remember reading it yeah. to my sister. She was 10 and like really trying to sell the sweet story of it. And then, you know, her running to my parents and me getting in trouble. Yeah. It's like he took that whole twist thing, that Twilight Zone twist, and he just went mad with it. Oh, he hit it with a hammer. Yeah, he hit it with a hammer. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The I think my fourth story, actually, okay, so it's a Ray Bradbury story, and you might not, I don't know if you'll recognize the title, but it was first published in McLean's, Canada's National Magazine, in January of <laughs> 1950, uh, called I'll Not Ask for Wine. But it was republished in the Martian Chronicles as the second story, uh, February 1999, Ilya. Oh man, amazing! Do you remember what that's about? I do. It's a it's about a Martian wife who has dreams of a human spaceman mm-hmm. coming. But it, it, one and one and her husband gets jealous. Yeah. And when the human spaceman finally lands, he goes out to kill him. Yeah. But it would—it's like all the stories I love. It's just this amazing, brilliant world that Bradbury, that Bray Ray Bradbury creates. Do you yeah. remember that? Like all the details, the little moments, remember, yeah. Like how she was cooking the food and she'd dip it in the lava. Do you remember things like that? Yeah, and, uh, and they have those those books that sing to them. Yeah, remember? that and that 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 was written. Okay, in how long? 1950. Yeah. And Ray Bradbury is predicting uh, Kindles. Yeah. The well, guy, the guy had a, he, the guy had a metal tablet, yeah. the Martian that he would run his fingers over, and it would sing holographic stories to him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's incredible. incredible. Yeah, well, and because the, there's that, and then there's the the fact that they ride these uh, ships on the sands. You remember? I remember and, that. And remember his gun, his his rifle that he went to hunt the Earthman with. That shoots bees. It shoots. Yeah, it had like a canister yeah. of bees. I thought that was so cool. I know. I mean, it's just typical Ray Bradbury. Like everything he does is original, inventive, yeah. so well written. The it's, only it's, other guy I mean, that I've had that feeling with, because I remember reading that, uh-huh. that story when I was a kid. Sure. And uh, like consistently, he would just kind of rattle something off in like this beautiful prose, and I would go, "That's." I would waste an entire yeah. story just talking about that. Oh yeah. Uh, the only other person who I've ever had that feeling about was China Mayville. Oh. Yeah, and Man, you know, that's a whole. Other that'll be episode. a whole. That'll be an yeah. episode in itself. Oh my god, Perdido Street Station. Yeah, just talking about Scar, that. Yeah. Um, okay, what's your fifth fifth story, Matt? Well, 
Um, Narrow I'm, it down. I know I'm torn. I've, I have. I basically have four stories that I want to be here. Mm. Um, the Small Assassin by Ray okay. Bradbury. I want okay. uh, Hail and Farewell by Ray Bradbury is another okay. one. The Scythe by Ray Bradbury Man, is another one. A Ray but Bradbury guy. I think the final one will actually be. Outsider or The Outsider by H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, man. And that's the one that um, is all about uh, atmosphere. Yeah. The whole story. That's It starts, I mean, you, and, and if, you should have read this story. If you haven't, then shame on you. No, not shame. Yeah. <laughs> um, shame, it's, shame. It, it's one of those things where it's uh, this guy has just lived, spent his whole life living in this old dilapidated castle and he finally goes outside. That's so cool. And um, it's just all about the atmosphere of the place and the feeling of it. And, and yeah. my brother read it to me when I was probably, you know, 12 years old. Wow. Your brother Paul? Yeah. yeah. And he well, he was the one who kind of introduced me to H.P. Lovecraft. Well, yeah, he introduced us to Conan. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, reading that story and, and, uh, and really getting it when I was a kid kind of informed my love of uh, not only Lovecraft's style of writing, but yeah. that just all of that kind of gothic stuff that happened after. For real, that. yeah, yeah, good amazing. choice. Yeah, all right, go for so it. I think, I think my one. my last one is going to have to be the Gray Wolf by George MacDonald. Amazing. Uh, I mean, and I and how long ago was it? This is probably the oldest one that I like. How? It's, if I remember, it's like it? eighteen fifty-seven or something like that. Yeah, this is an old story, and it's. It's a horror story, and it's it's dark, it's mm-hmm. creepy, but it's not. It's not definitely not a Stephen King story. It's mm-hmm. not gory. It's it, I think it was meant to be like a children's fairy tale. Yeah, it, I read it as part of the, with part of the collection when I was a kid of the the one with the golden key and the green. Uh-huh. Was it the Princess and the Goblin? Yeah, that whole fairy tale series by George MacDonald. Yeah. And this is just the creepiest story. It's like set in a storm in a Scottish island somewhere, I think, and the guy's lost, and he finds shelter in a little cabin overnight, and there's an old lady there, and she has this crazy sort of wild-looking daughter who ends up, in the end of the story, being a werewolf. Yeah. And I think it's the first werewolf story I had ever read. And man, it was frightening. Yeah, he sort of—it was frightening too because he slipped it in with all these fairy tale stories, right? In a children's collection, (laughs) and it just—it scared the crap out of me. But it, but what's weird is it's not really—it's all about atmosphere, right? It's sort of like the H.P. Lovecraft story you were talking about. It's all about atmosphere. It's all about the feel of it. It's all about yeah. the, the 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 rocks and the shore and yeah, the, the storm, wind and the, yeah. it's amazing. Oh, what a good story. Yeah, it's so 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 good. And I'm I would be surprised if anybody has really even read it. That one wasn't even it I was the first story in this little connect collection. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, it was not I, I don't think it's well known. It doesn't feel like Do you think any of our listeners have read The Gray Wolf by George McDonald? If they have, you need to let us know. Yeah, leave a comment or something. You can even send an email. We have a crappy one set up. Tuesday, uh, well, not Tuesday. It's uh, Tales of the Fantastic Podcast at yahoo.com. Oh, awesome. Okay. Fancy it is. Yeah, yeah. Let us know. And uh, there you go. That's our, our, our top five short story influences. Mm-hmm. And like like I said, the, this is by no means uh, exhaustive and complete. It's just these are ones that kind of came out as we were thinking about the roots of stories that we love. And I'm sure that in future podcasts we will pick a specific story and just really Narrow go to town on it. On it. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I'd like to spend 
whole episodes talking about the snow women, but I'm sure we'll, oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. We'll move on to the second bit in just a moment. All right. Hello. Welcome to the practices section of our first podcast. And uh, I'm going to talk about the first practice I'm going to introduce. This is Joe. And um, the first practice, I call it a page a day. Uh, You can can call it whatever you want, but it's just a 500-word story every day. I write as as a writing exercise to get in the writing mood um, before I write anything else. And uh, 500 words is super easy to do. And if you do it every day, it invigorates your writing, it invigorates your creativity, and you feel like you accomplished something. You know, Matt, you know the people who are always working on like a novel for Mm -hmm. 10 years and they never finish anything. Absolutely. That's the saddest thing in the world, to never be able to finish something as a writer. One of the greatest bits of advice that Ray Bradbury ever gave was, for me at least, was where he talks about writing a short story a week. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because if you finish a short that. story at the end, mm-hmm. so if you do that once once a week mm-hmm. through a whole year, yeah. I defy you. Out of those fifty-two stories, there's not going to be one worth something. Right. So this is sort of my version of that, and a lot of writers talk about it. Yeah. I think um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so my version is five hundred words, um, right from your heart. Meaning, don't write. You know, sort of what everyone else wants you to write. Your college or your whoever, your family. Write the story that you would buy mm-hmm. if you were looking for a good collection of short stories and you were flipping through the pages and you landed on one. That's sort of how I think about it. Is that how you think about like the whole? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I what just, you're writing. I well, because I I write to read the stories that I want to read. Sure. Yeah, you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, I, yeah. I, and I think of what's his name. Peter Jackson talks about that. He made the Lord of the Rings because nobody else was doing it, and he wanted to make the movie Sweet. that he wanted to see. And thankfully, he did. Yeah, and I think you know, I, yeah. I, I like what he did. So this is the goal, right? You want to create something really fantastic, well written. What I mean by fantastic is something well written and original that someone out, else out there likes, or that they find something to like. And ultimately, that's what happens when a market, no matter how large or small, or even a free charity publishes a story of yours it means someone else liked your story that makes you feel good as a writer so here's my method literally anyone can do this do it every day uh no matter how sick you feel no matter what the weather is no matter what your kids or spouse are doing three easy steps first you need a plot sit down for two minutes come up with a plot do you remember those old what if comics by marvel yeah like what if I don't know. I, one of them was like, well, what if Wolverine fought the yeah. Hulk? Or, or aliens versus Predator, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So come up with a what if in your mind. Like I, I'm always thinking about science fiction or horror or fantasy or swords and sorcery. So a, a what if that I would come up with might be, you know, what if dogs in the future have cyber enhanced intelligence and imposable thumbs? What would taking my dog for a walk be like when I get home after work? So now set a timer. Step number two is set a timer on your desktop. There are free apps you can use. Set it for 30 minutes. Press start. Step number three, write the basic draft of your story. Write a 500-word story, just the basic skeleton of it um, from beginning to end. It doesn't matter how dumb it is or if it doesn't make sense because you have all the rest of the day when you're done and the rest of the week to think about it, to add to it, to revise it. And besides, writing stories isn't about creating something perfect the first time. It's about getting just something out there on the page, Mm -hmm. 
getting into the zone and then revising it later. So while you're tapping away during those 30 minutes, don't worry about spelling or punctuation or grammar. Just put it on the page and write a page a day of fiction. And then congratulations, you've written more than 99% of all the people out there who want to be writers if you do that every day. Absolutely. That's my practice for this episode. What do you think? Do you got anything to add? No, I Any... think it's great. All right. That's fantastic. And I think, too, what's exciting is that out of this exercise, the next bit that we're moving into occurred. That's right. Do you, do you want to go ahead and introduce it? Or... We'll, we'll do it in the next Okay, episode. here we go. Yeah. And hello, hello again. Uh, this is Matt one more time. Uh, kind of, We're going to introduce the last section of our first podcast here. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion so far. But our plan with this last little bit here is to dramatize works that Joe and I have written. Uh, because we fell in love right. with with this kind of stuff when we were kids. Oh man, we we loved when we were homeschooled kids hanging out at the library on Homeschooler Friday. We yeah. would get into the audio collections, the, the records, the sound effect collections, mm-hmm. and we would take them home to Matt's house and act out like our own Bradbury Theater with the sound effects. That's true. We'd narrate our own stories. Yeah. We've been doing this a long time, talking about it and doing it. It's true. Well, then, you know, we would take, like, soundtrack albums and pull stuff together, and we, you know, I had this crappy little (laughs) silver cassette thing that I would put right in front of the the microphone, the the speaker, and, you know, pause and do stuff, and yeah, absolutely. So I've been doing this stuff for years and years, and it's it's fun to kind of... uh, come full circle with it and you know here i am what am i i'll be 48 this year uh continuing to do this kind of stuff because it's just something it kind of hits that kind of creative itch in me cool and so uh yeah we're gonna share our stories and maybe in the future we might accept uh submissions from other writers from listeners what do you think science fiction fantasy swords and sorcery horror yeah so keep that in mind and so this first story that we're going to do for this week is uh, a story that Joe wrote called A Friend in the Interstices. Um, and uh, it's just under a thousand words. Like It's about 600 something, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah, very short story. Something I came up with just during a daily writing free free write exercise, that page a day, the 500 words a day. Yeah, so Joe so. read this at our uh, writer's group and I was like, that's amazing, let's let's do it. So I felt like it would be a great one to kind of start the, start the dramatization business. Biz. So let us know what you think, and uh, thank you guys so much, and uh, here you go. Here you go. When the escort droid and I reached the demarcation poles, we're still in the shadows of the outer walls. Ahead of me is the desolation that exists in the interstices, long, thin strips of ungoverned land between the city-states. My new world is a maze of crumbling buildings, the shells of ancient vehicles, and piles of waste that rise above the rooftops. A stench so acrid slaps my face that my nostrils sting. A thick litterfall of trash blankets in the open ground, and north of the ruins by a quarter mile, the walls of a neighboring megalopolis darken the horizon. Other than the droid, I'm alone. Movies portray those who are expulsed as biker gangs of leather-clad cannibals 
but I doubt those who came before me lived very long. As far as I know, there's no food sources or water in the interstices. The droid tosses the plastic bag it was carrying past the poles. It unlocks and removes my handcuffs. The supplies are for you, courtesy of the International Red Cross. Its flat, baritone voice crackles with static. Please proceed. I glance over my shoulder. The gates are open wide and a line of soldiers and military droids are ready. On a slope farther behind them are the camera crews. There's even a handful of protesters. The same who were at my sentencing. But it's a ruse. The protesters are operatives of the council. I take a deep breath and steady myself. Half of me is still in a stupor because of everything that's happened in the last few days. And the other half trembles in fear and anticipation. A cottony lump is formed in my throat and my pulse bangs in my ears. Once I pass between these poles, I can never return. Automatic turrets and the wall's crenellations ensure that. Please proceed. The droid repeats. I will force you across if I must. I close my eyes. I step through the invisible barrier. And that's it. The droid spins around on its tracks and returns. A siren wails as the gates clank and then slam shut. siren ceases. And like that, it's over, all of it. In a strange way, I feel relief. Life hasn't been easy since my layoff at the steel manufacturing factory last year, but the struggle is over. I pick up the bag. Something rustles nearby. Twenty feet away, a shadow darts behind an overturned truck. I search for a weapon. Against a slab, a piece of rebar sticks out of the surrounding trash. I pick it up and give it a test swing. Perfect. It's three feet long and tipped in a baseball-sized chunk of concrete. I approach the truck with my club held at ready. The layer of trash deepens to where it's almost to my knees. Show yourself. No answer. I don't want any trouble. Nothing. I continue around the wreckage. Two eyes glint from under a jut of twisted rust. A spotted gray puppy cowers in the shadows, whiskers twitching. Well, hey there. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. I lower my club and hold out a hand. It sniffs and lets out a sad whimper that almost breaks my heart. I step closer and see that its ears are jagged and torn. What I thought were spots are scabs and open sores. It sniffs. I duck-walk a little closer. It shuffles closer. I open the plastic bag and find two bottles of water and two MREs. Nothing else. I tear open one of the rations. Each piece of the meal is shrink-wrapped and labeled. A soy steak, a slice of bread, synthetic applesauce, and a bar of never-melting chocolate. I open the soy steak and approach the truck. The dog gives a sad whimper and rolls over onto its back, tail wagging. It's a male. Hmm, how'd you get out here? I hold out the steak. Was it irreparable credit? Like me? He doesn't hesitate and snatches the food, chews a few times and swallows it down. He vomits it back up and he devours it a second time. Oh, that good, huh? And like that, on the worst day of my life, I've made a friend. Hmm... 
How about I call you Scabs? Perfect. He smiles and licks my hand in return, and I take that as a yes. My investment was worthwhile. When I begin to walk toward a gas station overgrown with withered vines, Scabs follows. He's a little banged up, but he's alive, which means there's food and water somewhere. He might even lead me to it. I'll find a way to live.